taking sports to another level. Welcome to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Exploring the latest headlines and going behind the scenes with in-depth interviews, hearing personal stories and the impact of sports in their lives. Here's your host, Richmond Weaver. What time is it? Welcome, everyone. This is Rich Take on Sports, back with you at episode number eight. I am your host, Richmond Weaver, and glad you're listening through whatever format that might be. And thank you for being an investor by investing your time to listen. And this week, we've got a great episode with Dana Falk, a lover of sports and a lover of food. What a great combination that is. So if you're a foodie and a sports lover and sports fan as well, then this is the episode for you. And you might already know who she is. She's the creator of Hungry Fan, and she also has a unique connection to sports. So if you know the history of the sports agent and the super agent, then you'll recognize her last name and understand who her dad is. And if you don't, just wait till the interview and you'll get another perspective of exactly how important her dad has been in the sport agency industry. In the meantime, also follow us on Twitter at Rich Take Sports. Instagram at Rich Take on Sports. And if you need to, please email me. I greatly appreciate any feedback. Richmond at richtakeonsports.com. And again, you can find all of this information on the website, richtakeonsports.com. All right, let's dive right into the Rich Spotlight this week with our guest, Dana Falk. Shining brightly to share the stories of people in sports. This is the Rich Spotlight. This episode, our guest is Dana Falk, the founder and creator of Hungry Fan, a unique brand marrying sports, food, and the sports fan culture. And you can find more of this information at HungryFan.com. Now, she also recently published her first cookbook, The Hungry Fan's Game Day Cookbook, which not only marries recipes of her own, but also recipes from some of the biggest names in sports. Now, she's also in demand as a celebrity cook on various TV programs Programs, such as Late Night with Seth Meyers and The Today Show. And she's also a personal cook for, some many, for many professional sports teams. Now, her cookbook is also number one best-selling on Amazon, and she's been a fan of sports all her life. And she's been around pro athletes her entire life as well. You see, her father is a pioneer in the sports agent industry, representing some of the major sports stars such as Michael Jordan, Boomer Esiason, Patrick Ewan, Mike Krzyzewski. The list goes on and on. If you don't know who her dad is, David Falk, you need to look him up. Now, she's also a passionate Duke fan where she became a devoted Cameron Crazy, and the drive to help sports fans create an experience with food is one of her passions. Passions. Now, here's the interview with Dana Falk. All right, so Dana, thanks so much for joining us today in the Rich Spotlight. I greatly appreciate it. Hey, my pleasure. Thanks for having me. Well, I'm excited to learn more about your journey and the impact of sports in your life. And But before we hit the rewind button, uh, I know you've got a lot of exciting things going on in your life and the professional side with Hungry Fan. But tell us about some of your recent news on the personal side with this past fall getting married to Garrett Clue and how's married life? It's 
good. It's really good. It's, um, you know, not actually all that different than before, okay. <laughs> to be honest, but it's really good. Um, yeah. Thanks for asking. You're welcome. Well, now, so let's do hit that rewind button and share the with the listeners your first, you know, memories of sports and how sports became so important to you in your life. So, you know, the, the story that I've told, which is true, is, you know, when I talk about being a sports fan, I talk about being around sports. It's I, I usually will say, you know, I've been doing this since I was in the womb, which is totally true. I was actually in my mother's stomach with my mom and my dad um, and some of my father's basketball clients on an exhibition tour through Italy. Um, so I have been doing this since before I even have memories, <laughs> which is kind of cool. So yeah, I grew up around it and, and it's just been, a, you know, kind of my life ever since I was a kid. So you'd mentioned basically from the womb, you've been in sports and, you know, with your parents, uh, as your dad, a sports agent. So uh, allow the listeners to understand truly who your dad is. Okay. So when people ask me this question, I ask them if they've ever seen Jerry Maguire. <laughs> the reason being my dad is sort of like the original Jerry Maguire, except when he did leave the agency that he was at for many years, he didn't just take Rod Tidwell. He, 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 and he always said like, if you're going to leave an agency, you got to take all your clients. Otherwise you're not a good agent. But anyway, so my dad is, um, my dad is basically like one of the first, not the first Jerry Maguire. And, um, I grew up around, in the environment where on any given night, you know, I might go to a basketball game with my dad or a football game or well, weekend, it would be football, um, or there'd be athletes around or we'd you know, go out to dinner or they'd stay in our guest room. And they were sort of like these gigantic uncles. They just were part of the family. In fact, you know, a lot of, a lot of my dad's clients, he sort of refers to as his sons. So maybe, maybe they're like larger, older brothers, but for me, they were always sort of like uncles and, um, I grew up around that and I, you know, it's just me and my little sister. There's no, there's no sons in the family. So I'm sort of like the father, the, I should say, I'm sort of like the son my father never had, um, because I really got into it. And, you know, I really, I really love the sports fan experience. And, you know, I, I did one college application. I wanted to go to Duke and only Duke. And for everybody listening who hates Duke, don't hate me. Um, but really it was just, I went to a high school that was a 180 degree polar opposite of Friday night lights. So like nobody went to the games. It was like super uncool. Like school spirit was not a thing. And so I was so craving the sports fan experience and like the camaraderie and the rah, rah that I grew up with. And so I did one application to Duke because I just wanted to be a Cameron crazy. And, you know, I sort of taken that love of sports fandom with me into my life and, and what it is I'm doing now. Okay. And so growing up, was it always somewhat normal for you just having these stu superstars around? Yeah. I mean, they'd always be around always there. I mean, we had one guest room. My parents still live in the house that I grew up in actually. And we had one guest room and on any given night, it might be one of the clients. It might be a coach or I don't know, somebody from, you know, someone related to my father's business, um, even sometimes like other agents that he worked with. Um, but yeah, they would just kind of come in and go out and be like, Hey, we're going to dinner tonight. And you know, who's who, whoever's come in and yeah, okay. that was just sort of 
I babysat some of their kids, hung out with some of their kids, played basketball in my basement with some of the kids, Nerf, Nerf basketball. Yes. Um, yeah. So just, that was, it yeah. was like normal. That was your life. That was my life. Yeah. But we still, I know I keep in touch with a lot of them. I have really good relationships with a lot of, um, not just the kids, but a lot of the clients, even, even now, you know, I'm an adult and many of them are retired, but, or retired or are coaching or are doing commentary. Um, sometimes when they're here in New York where I live, they'll let me know and we'll go out to events together. Um, and I actually was able to get many of them to participate in my cookbook with me, um, which was really awesome. And even Dikembe last year when he came into town for the NBA lottery um, evening, he came in early to cook on camera with me. That's great. Now, yeah. as much as a sports fan as you have been, what about growing up playing sports? Were you active playing sports as well? Yeah, I, I, you know, in my mind, I think I was better than I actually was. <laughs> Mostly because I was really chubby and I hated to run. So um, I, I played soccer till I was like 10 or 11. Um, and around like eight or nine, I started to play tennis and I got really into tennis and I gave up soccer for tennis. I played basketball, rec basketball in high school, but my primary sport was tennis. And um, I actually played it at Duke for the club team. I wasn't good enough to play varsity. And to be honest, I don't think I would have wanted to anyway, because I really just wanted to have like a normal college experience. So I played on the club team and had an awesome time. And I like I still love tennis. It's hard. It's really hard to play here in Manhattan, uh, mostly because it's like a bajillion dollars to run a court for like 10 minutes. So um, I don't get to play as much as I'd like. But one day I hope to get be, to be able to get back into it and play like adult league. Now, what about the experience you get to Duke? Describe that experience now that you get to be a Cameron crazy. I mean, it was so much fun. And truth be told, I, I knew what I was getting into because my dad started taking me to Duke um, for games when I was 13. So I had a very good understanding of the inner workings and sort of inner environment of Cameron Indoor Stadium and all 9,324 seats and the craziness and the lack of air conditioning and just the intensity. I knew I knew what it was. I had enjoyed many games thanks to my dad and the, the Duke basketball family who invited me in. Um, and I was excited to have just more of that. But what was really fun was finally getting to participate in, in K-Ville, Krzyzewskiville, which is the thing where the students camp out on the grass in front of Cameron Indoor, basically immediately after Christmas until the Carolina game in March. Um, Lots of fun, fun times had in Cayville. Yes, that <laughs> is that is very, a very popular place. I, I, I do know that uh, from my experience uh, in the ACC being a Clemson grad. Yes, yeah. yes. The best, the best was always when somebody would order like some pizza joint or it was maybe sometimes it was Coach K would just order pizza for everybody in Cayville. It was awesome. I can only imagine. You're freezing and out comes this like bubbly hot melty gooey pizza and you're like yes <laughs> so good <laughs> so now you're at duke what was going through your mind in terms of career had you thought much about what you wanted to do was it in sports or was it in food because i know food is obviously a passion of yours as well i actually thought i was going to be a sports agent like my dad okay. that's what i wanted to do um in my junior year i studied abroad and i i 
really got into cooking abroad. I was living in Italy and France, and I, I sort of immersed myself in the cooking scene there and cooking classes and um, friends, family friends in Florence who had a, fa- a family restaurant. Um, but when I graduated, my dad actually, I should say prior to graduating, I guess my senior year, my father really discouraged me from going into the sports agency world for a lot of reasons. And Yeah, and can you share you know, some of those reasons? Um, yeah, I mean, really, first of all, the number of agents to players ratio, it's not favorable to the agent. There's a lot of agents, um, and a lot of people who have basically just passed the agency test and don't necessarily know what they're doing. And it's just, it's just very, it's very cluttered, A, which really isn't an important reason, but really the more important sort of reasons, particular to me was you know, one, I'm female, and it's not to say that there can't be great female agents, but it's probably a lot more difficult. Um, I guess having that relationship, the if you want to have male clients, sort of having the guy-to-guy relationship is a little bit different than having the female-to-guy relationship in an agent-player space. And I could see how that could be complicated. And, you know, even potentially people could perceive things that aren't necessarily true that you would never say if the agent was a guy. So you sort of open yourself up to a whole different world of comments, if you will. And and two, you know, he just, he I've actually heard my dad speak, and he tells a lot of young people, he does a lot of speaking at colleges. He's, he's got a, universe, a, a, a college in his name at Syracuse, and he talks about this a lot. And really just with a lot of the new collective bargaining agreements, particularly, you know, he's focused on the NBA for pretty much the best of 20 years now, the better of 20 years now. Um, The collective bargaining agreements are very limiting and agents aren't as needed as they were for the labor contracts, which are the deals with the teams. They're, they're fairly, uh, sort of regimented by the collective bargaining agreement. And, you know, everybody, every player wants to be a Michael Jordan. They want to be a LeBron. They want the $90 million shoe deal. They want the, you know, $40 million soft drink deal. But it's, there's only a few guys who are going to get that. That's just the truth. And, you know, it's that and, there's a lot of cheating that happens and a lot of rule breaking and it's sort of just not, if you have integrity and you are trying to do things on the up and up, it's not a great, it's not a great outlook for you. Okay. So now did you immediately, you know, heed to his advice or did you push back some and say, no dad, this is what I want to do? Sort of like a, a blend of the two. So I moved to Los Angeles after college and I worked at a talent agency, a Hollywood talent agency, and um, was an assistant to two Hollywood agents, primarily in TV and film talent as an opportunity to, or I should say it was an opportunity to sort of see the agent world, but in another environment, I guess you could say, or another like milieu, if you will. Um, And I really hated it. And so... I sort of just realized that it really was not for me. What was the next step for you after coming to that realization? Um, I sort of like pinged around a little bit, you know, from thing to thing. And I worked on a 
for a software company that I was that I helped when I was in high school for a little while out there. But in that in that time, I really was sort of surveying the sports landscape and trying to figure out what about sports was the thing that interested me the most and to try and put together my vision for what it is I really wanted to do. And that's while I was sort of bouncing from thing to thing and living in LA and thinking about moving back East, I came up with the idea for hungry fan. And so walk us through how you came up with that idea. Uh, I sort of surveyed the sports landscape and I, I have a really good idea of what game day is like from the perspective of the agents and the players by virtue of how I was raised. I've worked for teams and I've now also worked for the networks and like the, you know, production folks who televise content around sports like Super Bowls and Olympics, for example. And, and it seemed to me, you know, with a good understanding of sort of what all the stakeholders are concerned with when it comes to game day, it seemed to me that the thing that was the most sort of uncatered to and not talked about and undervalued was the sports fan and the sports fan's experience on game day and the lifestyle that the sports fan lives as he or she gears up for game day, you know, whether it's you know, the big race, horse race, car race, the big game on the field, on the court, um, or on the pitch. Nobody really was talking about that. There was no sort of, for back of, for, for lack of a better comparison, like there was no Martha Stewart type person, um, which I realize carries with it a lot of connotations of its own. I just specifically mean a person who curates a lifestyle with tips as an expert. Um, there was no that person. And so it seemed to me based on how I was raised and my very intimate understanding of game day from very different perspectives and given my love for sports fans and, you know, that camaraderie and that craziness, that's really what I wanted to do. I wanted to be that person. And something that's really important to me is to be authentic and to be myself. And I felt like there was no better job than to do this because it's genuinely who I am and what I know. And so what was your ultimate vision of Hungry Fan? Uh, my ultimate vision of Hungry Fan, I think it sort of evolved a little and I think it's still evolving. But really, I wanted to be a platform, a destination for sports fans for game day, whether it's whether you're looking for recipes or if you're planning a trip to like a boys trip to you know the Ohio State game and having tips for the best things to do while you're there the best places to eat the can't miss spots um, whether you're planning a tailgate and you need tips or picks for great tailgate gear just anything that will help augment your experience and make it better and was there always a thought of having a cookbook or did that just organically grow into your Hungry Fan game day cookbook? That's a really good question. So I met a woman, I, you know, I, I never thought like, hey, I could publish a cookbook. Like, who am I? But I met a woman years ago in a completely different setting for a completely different purpose and she had been in publishing and she had just left publishing to go work at this this company that I was meeting with. 
and um, I was meeting with them for the purposes of potentially being their spokeswoman. And we were chatting and I was telling her about me and well, sort of a conversation very similar to the one that you and I are having about, you know, what's important to me? What do I like? What drives me? What am I passionate about? And she said, you know, it sounds really interesting. It sounds really unique what you do. You know, I would love to publish your cookbook one day. And I'm thinking like, yeah, right. Like, whatever. Like, that's going to happen. And then, I don't know, maybe two years later, she called me and she said, hey, can we go have dinner? I think you sure. And, you know, we'd sort of kept in touch since then because she's just a really cool lady and I really like her as a person. Um, and um, so we had dinner and she said, hey, so I'm back in publishing and I've got a pretty senior role and I'd like to introduce you to the head of the publishing company and pitch your book. So I thought like, wow, holy cow. Okay. So I went and I met with her boss at the time and her and it was a great meeting. And then I got a call. I can't remember how much later that he had actually left and now she was the head of publishing and I needed to get a book agent because I needed to sign my deal. Okay. <laughs> and, that, and that was it. I see. And then so now how did it come about, though, because your cookbook is unique with the contributions from some of these star athletes? How did that come about? I really wanted to. I, again, it's all about being authentic. And, and the book was really not just about the recipes. It was sort of sharing a little bit about me and my background and how I grew up and why I like sports and sort of all of the questions that you've asked me. And I thought that what would really signify sharing a piece of sort of my life and the amazing experiences that I've been so fortunate to have thanks to two great parents um, was to include some of these athletes that I've been around because they're very much part of the reason that I even got into this in the first place. So I did, and it was great. I mean, I called them up, I emailed some of them, and they were very kind and very willing to help, which was fantastic. Now, are there any particular favorites out of the cookbook from some of the sports stars that you like? Uh, no, I can't answer that. Come on, actually. I've been asked just in general, like, what are your favorite recipes in the cookbook? Not just, you know, theirs, but of all the recipes. And what I've said to people, which is very true, is it's kind of like, you know, you, you've you got three kids. It would be like me asking you which of your three kids is your favorite. That's right. I completely understand. <laughs> Good way to respond. Now, so, yeah. <laughs> so now what continues to drive you with Hungry Fan and what's the next big vision for this? My goal is to grow Hungry Fan into a hybrid of a media company and a products company. Um, because I think you, know, you, you think about game day, you know, content includes recipes but there's a lot more to it, you know, sort of my tips and my tricks and <clears throat> my, my, you know, if you're going to be in this place, head here, I, you know, I really want to be able to share that in fun, you know, munchable video form, but I also want to be able to provide fans with great products that they can use, whether they're my products or products of other companies that I really like. I, I'm trying to grow Hungry Fan into a much more robust platform where all of this is accessible. So now, just summing up everything, Dana, 
in terms of sports and what it has meant to you, can you describe just the impact that it's had in your life? You know, I think sort of a, it's a long question, but, or a hard question with a potentially long answer, but one of the things that inspires me the most of all things, not just like in sports, just one of the things that inspires me the most is helping other people period, but also just helping them to do good and do well, which I've heard people say, I like it. It's not my term. Um, and I think, you know, when I look at where we are right now, today's America, I, I see a country that is incredibly divided and every day it's just more craziness. And when I sought out to do this, a part of me wanted to create a platform for myself where I could have a relationship with the average Americans to have open communication and to help them, however that is, or whatever it will be, and to help them help each other and to help them help themselves. And that's not to say that I have all the answers or like, I'm like, you know, Wonder Woman or whatever. It's just, you know, I want to be able to have an impact. And when I think about who I want to have an impact on, like, I want to have an impact on the average people because that's sort of what we all are, right? Like we're just average people. So when I thought about who are the average people of America, like what do we all have in common? What's the common thread that ties us all together that allows me to have this conversation with you? I thought, you know, like, I know this is pretty basic, but I think we're all sports fans. And you might like NASCAR and I might like football or you might like hockey and I might like, you know, field hockey I, like or basketball, whatever. But we all we're all fans and we can all talk about, you know, our favorite play that we saw this year or the biggest upset that we still can't get over or that crazy, you know, some of us college experience related to sports like for me, which is, you know, Kayville and cheering for Duke. And and I think that if we can all at least be open to having a conversation with one another it it leads to a lot of good things you know and and a lot of taking down the walls of of divisiveness and I realize it sounds like super preachy but I love I love talking to people I love meeting new people I firmly believe I have something in common with every single person in this country and whether that's because we're sports fans or something else I find it usually pretty easy to strike up a conversation and figure out what that thing is that we have in common simply by talking about sports. I agree with you 100%. And then Dana, as we wrap up here, the final few minutes, what are some words of wisdom that you'd like to share with our listeners? I ask this of all our guests. You know, for me, and and this might just be because I'm so stubborn (laughs) for better, (laughs) for worse, but I don't really like the word no. No to me means not right now. Um, And I feel like that's just sort of a funny way of saying be persistent and don't give up and keep trying. Um, Even if it feels like you're consistently banging your head into a brick wall, um, it might border on insane, sure. But if it's something you really want and it's something you're really passionate about, no doesn't mean no. No means not right now. Definitely well said. Well, Dana, just to make sure all our listeners know where to find your cookbook and all of the other information for Hungry Fan, direct us where to go. 
Well, the cookbook is available in a lot of places, but probably the easiest is either barnesandnoble.com or actual stores, Amazon, and I believe also walmart.com at least. Um, and you can find more information about me and a lot of free recipes and tailgating picks and, um, or like gear picks and, and tricks, as well as uh, my own products. I have yummy spice blends, organic spice blends to make game day cooking super easy. And all of that is available at hungryfan.com. And we'll wrap up with one final question that I do have to ask since your dad is so involved uh, in NBA <laughs> and you probably know where this is going, but I do <laughs> Michael Jordan or LeBron Jordan. He is the GOAT. There's no doubt about that. Well, Dana, thank you so much for your time. I greatly appreciate it and look forward to continuing watching you climb with Hungry Fan. Well, thank you. Thank you for having me. What a great opportunity to hear Dana's path as she shared her vision of creating Hungry Fan and especially her unique connection with sports because of her dad. Now, she could have easily tried to follow in her dad's footsteps and how easy that would have been for her dad to really set some cushy agent job up for her. But that's not true and authentic to Dana, and that's not what she really wanted. You can tell she's an entrepreneur and wants to make it on her own, and I totally back that. Of course, having some connections through her dad helps, but she's making something happen with those connections, not because of those connections. I highly recommend you stay connected with Dana through HungryFan.com, and you'll really enjoy picking up a copy of her cookbook as well. Now that finishes episode eight, and remember, focus forward so we don't live in the past. All the best, everyone. You've been listening to Rich Take on Sports, the sports podcast with life. Visit RichTakeOnSports.com to subscribe and catch up on any episodes you might have missed. You can also follow us on Twitter at Rich Takes Sports. Thanks for listening.